0: Man, it is football Sunday, y'all. It is Super Bowl Sunday. And I don't know how many of you are watching the game tonight, how many of you even care about the game tonight. Some of y'all are like, I don't care about this thing at all. I will be sleeping by that point already, right, you know? uh, I'll be eating dinner out somewhere. I don't even care about this thing. Uh, But here's the deal. I want to see who is going for the Rams tonight. Let me hear it. If you're going for the Rams, let me hear it. How about the Bengals? Who's going for the Bengals tonight? Yeah, you know what? Stick it to all you Californians that moved here. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Just kidding. We love you. We welcome you with open arms. Anyway, especially you, Emery. We love you. Look at that. The scarf. He's got the scarf on and everything. That's amazing. I love that. Uh, You know, I honestly am okay with either team winning today. But if you know anything about me, you know that I love football, okay? I talk about it a lot, just about every message. Football is probably in some part of that message somewhere. And I, I just love watching it. I love everything about it. And so, I, you know, this is the first Super Bowl, I think, that I really don't care who wins. I really don't. I like both teams. I like both the quarterbacks. I like Joe Burrow. I think he's got a lot of swag to him. He's a cool dude. He's cold as ice. You know what I mean? The dude is just cold in the pocket. He's amazing. But then you also have on the other side, Stafford, who I just... You know, the guy needs a Super Bowl win. You know what I mean? He deserves it. Uh, Also, another great dude just needs a Super Bowl win. And so I'm okay with either one of those teams winning, so I will be having just a grand old time tonight. You know why I really don't care is because my team... The Dallas Cowboys. They are not in it, and I barely—I've just put a bag over my head at this point. You know, it's just awful. We went 12 and five, and they just get knocked out like it's absolutely nothing. It was awful, uh, but I'm going to get to enjoy it this time because I don't—I have no skin in the game here. So, uh, men, make sure you come hang out tonight. And watch that like I said uh, I'll be at the men's one for a little bit and then I'm hopping over to the Lopez house to watch for Richard with his birthday come on now so we're gonna have a ton of fun tonight but whatever you have planned tonight wherever you're going I pray that you just have a great time with family and friends that the Lord blesses your time and that he blesses your food to the nourishment of your bodies I know you're gonna be eating nachos some nasty stuff but you know the Lord can do something with that I really think he can so um, you know Thanksgiving Day this last year uh, is a tradition that I always do, which is I watch the Dallas Cowboys play on Thanksgiving Day, and they play every year, and just about every year, it is very disappointing. And so, um, this year was no different. They played against the Las Vegas Raiders, and it was one of the worst games I've ever seen played in the NFL, ever. Okay, it was awful. Let me tell you why. The teams combined totaled 28 penalties. 28 penalties for over 276 yards over the 65 minutes of game action. The Raiders were penalized 14 times for 110 yards, while the Cowboys were also flagged 14 times for 166 yards, okay? Now, if you don't know anything about football, that might not sound like a lot, but 166 yards, that's farther than a football field, a lot farther than a football field, like a time and a half, and just of penalties that you're going the opposite direction, okay? That's not the way you want to go penalties are not good. And I was so, so frustrated. I was so mad. I was one of those guys. And and let me tell you, when we watched another game the other day, we actually had Ryan and Lauren Murphy come over to my parents' house. We watched the game. And I think I just about lost my salvation at one point yelling at the TV. And Ryan and Lauren were just like, I didn't know Pastor Trevor got like this ever. He is very angry right now. And I was like, I'm so sorry, guys. I really do love Jesus, but this is just awful. And Ryan was like, yeah, I mean, I get it, you know? So... But during that game, I was also very mad uh, on the the Thanksgiving Day game because here's the deal. These men are paid millions of dollars to not make these mistakes. Millions of dollars to not make these mistakes. And yet here we are, flag, 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 flag. And it just honestly, when you watch a game like that, football's already a commitment. You know what I'm saying? If you're gonna sit down and watch a football game, you're gonna be there for a while. It's a three and a half to four hour commitment already. And it's not like the Super Bowl, okay? You don't get the fun, uh, hilarious commercials with the Doritos and stuff like that. Or you don't get the heartwarming, you know, make you cry commercials, some kind of puppy or something like that, you know, super cute. And you're just like, this is amazing. And everyone's sharing it after the Super Bowl. You don't get the amazing halftime entertainment. When you watch just a normal game on a Thursday night, you just get like Bank of America commercials. You know, like just something just boring, lame. No one cares about it. And you're there for a while. So penalties make the game go even longer. And so it's already a huge commitment like that. So it's like a five-hour game. It's just not fun to watch. Uh, and of course, the Cowboys ended up losing that game and ruining my Thanksgiving once again. Thank you, boys. <laughs> and the Raiders-Cowboys game on Thanksgiving Day, and this is a little stat for you, uh, featured the most penalties and the most penalty yards in one game this season. Uh, But it didn't break the all-time record in either category, and we'll talk about that actually at the end of the message. But penalties can make or break a team, can make or break a game, and so avoiding them is paramount to the success of the team in that game. And fouls in football can result in lots of different things. You can lose yardage, um, you can lose downs, or even in an extreme circumstance, the player, a player could actually be ejected from the game for one of the most egregious penalties. But did you know that there were some penalty flags thrown in the Bible? Let me tell you. Uh, they had some yellow flags just like this. No, they didn't. But there were some penalty flags thrown in the Bible. And, and many people that you would look up to, many people that you read stories about in the Bible, it's like, wow, these men and women of God were incredible. They were amazing men and women. And they did all these great things for Jesus. They did all these great things for God. But they also had that yellow laundry thrown on them a time or two for breaking God's commands. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about this message called Penalties in the Bible. Penalties in the Bible. And I'm going to go through a few of the men that really did great things for God and yet had some yellow laundry thrown on them. Let's pray as we get into this message. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for our time together. I thank you that no matter how many times we mess up, how many times we fail, matter how many times we get a penalty flag thrown on us that you can still use us and that you still love us. Jesus name. Amen. Moses was the first one that I want to talk about today. Moses, if you know the story of him, it's found in the book of Exodus. And he was a Hebrew baby that was born in Egypt during the time where uh, the Hebrews were, were God's people, right? And they were actually enslaved by the Egyptians. His mother puts him in a basket because uh, there was a lot of stuff going on with that. She had to put him in a basket, send him down the river. You know, you've seen Prince of Egypt, right? So he sends him down the river, okay, and then he ends up being adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. It was a really kind of cool situation that happened there where she ends up sending him back to his birth mother so she could nurse him. So it was really cool how she still was able to kind of be a part of his life. Um, But then he grows up basically as an Egyptian but being uh, a Hebrew. And then what he ends up doing is... There's a time when he starts to go and he sees an Egyptian man that was actually beating up a Hebrew. An Egyptian man beating up a Hebrew. Hello?
1: Who are you? Unnecessary roughness. (laughs) Moses killed a guy. That's going to be a 15-yard penalty. Moses is ejected from Egypt. Automatic first down. Continue on. We have a play clock?
0: Okay, okay. So, yeah, so Moses had a penalty called on him. Uh, thank you for that, referee. I appreciate that, sir. Um, <clears throat> Moses had a personal foul. Unnecessary roughness, all right, on the dude. He killed him, all right? He kills the dude because he's beaten up his brother. He's beaten up his brethren, the, the Hebrew man, and so he ends up killing him, and then he, gets, uh, he has to leave Egypt. He has to flee. Egypt because he knows that Pharaoh is not going to be happy with this. And so uh, unnecessary roughness, a personal foul is this. Let me define it for you. Football's a rough game, right? But any physical contact outside of the boundaries of the rules is deemed unnecessary roughness. Carries a 15-yard personal foul penalty, has a possibility of getting a player ejected, as Moses was. This includes late hits after the whistle blows, scuffling after a play, tackling a player who has run out of bounds, or murder. Okay, so uh, all of those things would encompass unnecessary roughness. And he used unnecessary roughness on this guy. He straight up killed him, all right? And so Moses flees and leaves Midian. Uh, he goes to Midian for years. He's actually there for a very long time. Ends up getting married, gets involved in this family. It's, it's great. But then you know the story here probably where he sees the burning bush, right? And the Lord speaks to him from this bush that was burning but that wasn't consumed. And, and then he says, you need to go back to Egypt and free all of my people. And Moses is like, me? You look, looking at me? I, there's no way I could do this. I, do you know who I am? And he's like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to be able to go and do that. That's, that's not me, Lord. Why are you asking me to do this? And yet, what does he end up doing? He ends up going, and then you hear the 10 plagues, and then let my people go, right? This is this big moment. And that's the kind of thing that you might remember. The Israelites, or the Hebrews at that point, flee Egypt. And then one of the greatest miracles that's ever recorded in the Bible, one of the most incredible creative miracles that the Lord ever does is parting the Red Sea so that the Hebrews could walk across It was absolutely amazing, and we all remember the hero Moses, right? You read Exodus, and the first thing when I say Moses, what do you think? You think, oh, the the 10 plagues parting the Red Sea. Like, that's incredible, but Moses had a huge penalty when he killed the Egyptian. That's actually how his story really starts right at the beginning. It's him committing murder against somebody, and then all the great things that the Lord does through him afterwards. Interesting. Another guy. His name's David. You know King David from the Bible, the guy that wrote all of the Psalms, basically, and uh, has really, really great stories all throughout the Old Testament. But David was an Israelite uh, after Moses. He was born into a large family. He was a shepherd, so he took care of the sheep. Wasn't really anything special about him. He said he was kind of good looking, uh, you know, and and, and people think that he might have even been a redhead, which is kind of interesting, but he's a really good looking dude, right? Uh, So God actually chooses him through the prophet Samuel. Uh, is anointed, and he gets anointed uh, to be the king over Israel. And there's like, why? Why David? And he had all these other brothers, all these other men that were maybe in bigger stature, or maybe were older, or or had some more experience and different things like that, and yet Samuel says, you know what, you're the one that's going to be king over Israel. God chose him. It also says in the Bible that David killed a lion and a bear by himself. Just. Just killed a lion and a bear. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> huh? No way. Yeah, he did. He really did. But then, more importantly, he slays Goliath in this in this battle against uh, this this army that was coming up against the Israelites and talking trash to God. Right? And David says, "No, no, 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 not on my watch." And so he takes his slingshot and says, "Bam!" You've seen Veggie Tales, right? Uh, and so he becomes the king, and then he ends up leading. Israel to staggering victories. Amazing victories. Okay, okay, oh, excuse, excuse you, sir.
1: Legal touching. David did the dirty with Bathsheba. That's gonna be a 10 yard penalty. Repeat third down.
0: You did what with Bathsheba?
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
0: Here's the problem here. David had a big issue too. He was messing around with a woman that was not his wife. In fact, she was somebody else's wife. Illegal touching, uh, we were going to call that on the day, but that's going to be a 10-yard penalty, repeat, third down. Illegal touching is a blanket penalty for any contact with the ball by an ineligible player. This includes interior linemen who touch a forward pass, a player who goes out of bounds, then comes back in, and is the first man to touch the ball, or when the kicking team touches the ball before it goes 10 yards after a kickoff, Listen, here's the point of this rule. Don't touch the football when you're not supposed to, okay? And David definitely committed illegal touching, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay, sound good? All right? We got kids in the room today. So not only that, he then has her husband, Uriah, killed in battle and tries to cover it up, making it look like that he just happened to get killed in battle when really the men just kind of stood back and let it happen. David had some huge penalty flags thrown on him. But you know what the Bible calls him in multiple places? What does the Bible call him? A man after God's own heart. Isn't that interesting? Not the kind of guy that you would think would be called a man after God's own heart after committing some of these penalties, committing some of these sins. He's a murderer, right? He's an adulterer. How could he be a man after God's own heart? That doesn't make any sense. And yet David repented of his sin, turned back to God, and ended up winning the game of his life. It says this right here in 1 Chronicles 29, David, son of Jesse was king over all of Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, seven in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. He died at a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. And his son Solomon succeeded him as king. Now that sounds like a man who has ran the race well and has won the game of his life and done amazing things for God, right? Another person I think of when I think of somebody that committed some sins but God still used would be Jonah, right? Jonah, uh, he, this is a very interesting story, okay? But Jonah, you know, God calls him to preach to this city of Nineveh. And Nineveh, Jonah didn't want to do this because Nineveh was not friends with Israel, okay? They actually hated each other. And the people of Nineveh were actually really not the greatest of people, but God wanted to redeem those people. And so God calls out to Jonah and says, Jonah, will you go and will you preach to them? And he says, no, uh, I will not. And so he goes in the opposite direction to Tarshish. He gets on a boat and he's trying to go out to Tarshish and then God sends a massive storm. The men on the boat decided that it was Jonah's fault of why this storm was happening. They recognize that not everything that happens is a coincidence, right? They recognize on the boat, hey, something spiritual is happening here and one of these people is getting judged by God right now. And so we got to figure out who it is and the lot kind of lands on Jonah, and they say, hey, listen, man, uh, you're going to have to get off this boat. He's like, yo, we're in the middle of the ocean right now. They're like, no, nah, we don't care. You got to get out of here. Walk the plank, buddy. Okay, so he gets out, gets thrown overboard, and as soon as they toss him out of the boat, the storm stops. And they- <laughs> this again? Are you
1: serious? What, what now? What, what? Delay game. Jonah could not go to Nineveh. The results being, is Jonah being swallowed by a whale? Repeat first down. Jonah did not go to Nineveh, so he
0: gets swallowed by the whale. Yes, he did make up that one, just specifically for this, gets swallowed by the whale. That is not a real referee call, no it is not. The game of football is governed not only by the game clock, but by a 40 second play clock that counts down the time that the offense has before they have to run the next play. If the play clock strikes zero and the play hasn't started, the quarterback gets a delay of game penalty. What was Jonah doing here? It was a delay of game. He was supposed to be doing something. He was supposed to be going to Nineveh, but he was delaying God's plan of salvation for these people. And so God sends a big fish, okay? And some people call it a whale, Jonah and the whale, right? Uh, To swallow Jonah and save him from drowning. Sounds insane, right? This is crazy. And so Jonah, while in the belly of the whale, prays to God for help. Praise to God. And then God has the big fish throw up Jonah onto the shore of what other city other than Nineveh? (laughs) So Jonah is now in the place that he was supposed to be at the very beginning. And so then Jonah goes and preaches to Nineveh, warns them to repent, and they actually end up turning to God. They believed in Jonah, and they turned to God and turned away from their wickedness. And God had mercy upon all of them. Jonah... Running away from God's call in his life, right? Going the complete opposite direction. How many of you can relate to that? You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all been in this place and you said, you know what, there was a time in my life when I was running the exact opposite way of where God wanted me to go. And then God got a hold of my heart. Maybe there's some of you in here today that say, you know what, right now, that is me. Right now, I feel like I am that person that's running away from God and going the opposite direction of where God wants me to go. And yet God still was able to redeem Jonah and use him again, even though he had a penalty thrown on him. The next guy I think of is a man that actually walked with Jesus himself. We're in the New Testament now. And Peter was one of the original disciples of Jesus, otherwise known as Simon Peter. But even he was not immune to failure and to the yellow laundry himself, right? He was handpicked by Jesus himself to walk with him, to do life with him, be taught by him, one of the coolest things that happens in Peter's life is they're, they're out in this boat, and then they actually look out, and they see Jesus out in the water. And they, they had to kind of say, like, Jesus, is that you? Like, I can't really tell. And then he said, if it is you, then let me know. And Jesus says, it is I come. And so Peter actually does this crazy thing. In the middle of a storm, in the middle of, of this little ocean on the boat, he gets out and starts to walk on water towards Jesus. Isn't that amazing? He had faith in that moment that Jesus, when he called him out into, uh, closer to him, that he was going to be able to do that exact thing. But as he started to look around at the situation around him, the waves and the wind and the rain is coming down, and, and then he starts to lose his faith, and he ends up basically falling into the water, right? And so he ended up falling in, but that's amazing. He actually walked on water for at least just a few steps, we know, right? And so that's just incredible. And Peter saw so many miracles. So many acts of Jesus, so many things. He walked and talked with Jesus Christ himself. And yet he made the same mistake. Not one, but he made the same mistake three times in a row. Okay, yeah, okay, what do we got? Okay, all right, this guy is just, I can't.
1: (laughs) Failure to report. Peter denied Jesus three times. What are we after that? 15-yard penalty, <laughs> repeat third down.
0: <laughs>
1: we'll give 15 yards for that, why not, why
0: not? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Offensive linemen are not eligible to run downfield and receive passes, and the numbers they wear on their jerseys actually make this clear to officials, which that rule just changed a little bit, actually. Sometimes a lineman may line up in an eligible position, and even if he plans to do so, or the, the coach must report this to the officials. Failure to do so results in a penalty. Now, the penalty that Peter has here is a failure to report. He had a failure to report who he knew. He knew Jesus, right? And he was gonna report all about him and this is what his calling was on his life and he was supposed to tell people about Jesus. I have the report of what's going on with Jesus And, and he's here to save everybody and I know he's the son of God and all this and yet when things get tough, what does Peter do? He says, I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus is about to go to the cross. Peter's been with him through everything, through thick and thin and yet he denies him three times in a row. And the Bible actually says That right as he denied him for the third time, Jesus had actually called that he was gonna do that. And he said, I would never. And at the third time, it says the rooster crows and Peter remembers and Jesus looks right at him and just looks at him. How heartbreaking would that have been to be Peter in that moment? Jesus called it. He said you were gonna deny me. Like he was gonna deny him three times and then right after he does it, he just looks at him. And I just, man, I could not imagine being Peter in that moment. But after Jesus dies and he's resurrected, he talks with Peter and reminds him of who he is, gives him the task of feeding the sheep, feeding the sheep after he's gone. And what is he doing right now? He's entrusting the church to him. And actually in Matthew 16, 18, this is before Jesus even uh, went to the cross. He said this, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said that to Peter before Peter ever denied him. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him and yet he still gives him this divine inspiration and saying, you are the rock and you are the man that we were going to help build the church. I'm entrusting this over to you. Saul is another one and I believe he's the last one that we'll be talking about today. Probably the most radical transformation in in scripture is Saul to Paul. You might know him as the Apostle Paul, but initially he was known as Saul. He might have had both names the whole time, but that's a whole thing. But after Jesus had already gone back to heaven, Christianity began its spread, right? And and Paul was a Jew. He was proud of his Jewish heritage. And in fact, he was actually a Pharisee. He was very well versed in, in in the laws of Uh, Moses, he was very well-versed in scripture, okay? So he's a very smart, very intelligent man. He had Roman citizenship as well. But he was actually a Pharisee. If you know anything about scripture, the Pharisees are the ones that actually Jesus had a very hard time with, okay? He and the Pharisees did not get along. And Saul was one of those men. And and he ended up actually persecuting Christians. And he did not like, okay, I'm serious. If you do this one more time, I'm done. What, What do we got now? What do we got now?
1: Unsportsmanlike conduct. Saul killed some people. It's gonna be a 15-yard penalty on Mac first down. He killed some people. Okay, all right.
0: So uh, we got we got Saul. He starts killing some Christians. Okay, he starts killing some people because he is a Pharisee. He is sticking true to what he knows as a Jew, and, and these Christians start to come in and preach something a little bit different. And so, what is he doing as a Pharisee? He starts to persecute them even more. Puts a lot of them in to prison. On sportsmanlike conduct, the last penalty we have today is a broad term for an array of personal foul infractions a player might commit against the spirit of the game. Come on. This includes taunting another player, kicking the ball after the play is over, or abusive language to an official, an official or another player, or persecuting Christians in this instance. Okay, Saul killed Christians. He put others in prison, and Jesus ends up appearing to Saul on the road to Damascus. It's called the Damascus Road experience. Damascus Road experience where Saul ends up turning into this completely different person and eventually he ends up starting to use his other name, Paul. Paul is known as one of the greatest Christian missionaries of all time. One of the greatest Christian missionaries of all time. And in fact, he's one of the most read authors in the entire history of the world. Why? Because he wrote most of the New Testament that you and I read on a regular basis. He established dozens, if not hundreds of churches in his lifetime. Dozens, if not hundreds of churches all throughout the region and became one of the biggest voices talking about Christ and what he's done. If I could have Sadie or someone come up and play keys for us today, I want to close us out here in just a moment. But I told you earlier that I would talk to you about the game that had the most penalties of all time. Okay, are you ready to hear this one? The, the most penalties of all time. The Raiders, team we talked about earlier, actually own the record for the most penalties by a team in a single game. But they did not set it last year on Thursday. No, they didn't. In 2016, the Raiders committed 23 penalties for 200 yards against the Buccaneers. And the Raiders somehow still managed to beat the Bucks in that game. They didn't have Tom Brady yet, you know what I'm saying? So give him a break. They only had six penalties for 64 yards. So winning 30 to 24 on a Seth Roberts 41-yard TD pass from Derek Carr in overtime. That's how they won the game. Overcoming all the odds and having the most penalties of all time in a single game, they still ended up winning the game. And so what I want to ask you is a very simple question. Everything that we've done today all of the penalties and all the gimmick, throwing the flag and all the silly stuff that we've done today, talking about the penalties in the Bible, all of the men that God used in big, miraculous, amazing ways that you and I would look up to and revere and know and love, all had penalties thrown on them in their life. And what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about ourselves? It's simply that we serve a God of second chances. We serve a God of second chances. Come on, I need somebody to say amen a little bit louder up in this place today. Aren't you grateful that God gave you a second chance when you were dead in your sin? He brought you out of that and brought you into new life that Jesus died on the cross for you and for me so that we could have that abundant life. Listen, that gets me excited because I know that I have a past and I know some of you have a past that you might not be proud of. You might not be proud of that thing. Some of y'all are still living in it right now. It's not even your past yet. It's the right now. You know that you're committing penalties, you're committing sins left and right, and you're just like, man, I could still be used by God? After the stuff I just did yesterday? Absolutely. But it requires something from you, and that is to turn your life over to God. Give your life to God, and he'll be able to use you in amazing ways. No matter how much you've messed up in your past, no matter how much you messed up yesterday or this morning, when you go home tonight, I'm telling you, God can still use you. And here's the deal. Satan, you see, he loves to throw the flag on you and me. He loves to take this penalty flag and wave it in your face. Hey, you remember all that stuff you done? You remember that bad relationship you were in? You remember that addiction that you still have? You remember that thing that you did 10, 15 years ago? You remember that thing you did last night, I'm gonna hold that in your face. Even as you're sitting in here in church right now, you're feeling convicted, you're feeling guilty. But listen, when Satan is throwing the flag at you like this, he's doing it, he's throwing it at you, right? And he's saying, you need to feel guilty. You need to feel shameful. You know what God does when Satan throws the flag on you? He says, hey, listen, here's this flag, God. They really messed up, (laughs) isn't that great? And God, you know what he does? It says in the Bible, when you give your life to him, when you ask him for forgiveness, father comes and picks up this flag and chucks it as if it never even existed he picks it up and throws it away the Bible says that your sin goes as far as the east is from the west that's a very long way people it's as if you had never even sinned in the first place the Bible says that he makes you he washes you white as snow you become a new creation in Jesus when you give your life to him when you turn your life over to Jesus And so I want to ask you that question today. Will you give your life to Jesus and will you turn to him? Some of you are sitting in this place and you are just condemning yourself. You're hating on yourself because of the sin that you have in your life. Listen, that is Satan holding that flag in your face, throwing it at you, saying, hey, listen, look how bad you are. Look how much you messed up. Look how much you stink. You're never going to be good enough. You shouldn't even go to church. You shouldn't even be here today. You're going to go in here to go to church acting like you're all holy like everybody else. You know that? That's Satan talking to you. You know what the Father's doing right now? He's saying if you would just come to me and you would bring your sin to me and you bring your stuff to me. Listen, I will take that penalty flag and I will throw it away as if it never even existed. And I will give you a brand new life. Don't hate on yourself. Don't talk down on yourself because I created you. I know you, you have a destiny and a purpose that's greater than anything that you could ever imagine on your own. And all you have to do is to come to me and receive the grace from Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do. And I know there's some people in here today that need to make that decision, need to make that choice. So what I wanna ask you to do is across this room, will you stand up with me today? I know we've had some fun today and I love the penalty flags and the fanfare and all that stuff. We're gonna have a great time this evening, but can I just ask you for a moment to think about eternity? not to think about a game that's happening tonight, not to think about lunch that's happening in just a little bit, not to think about all the stuff you have to get done before people come over to your house this evening, but to think about eternity and where you're going after you leave this earth. Because there is a God who loves you, there's a God who cares for you and wants to infuse purpose and destiny into your life. And I promise if you'll turn your life over to him, It'll be the best decision you've ever made and we'll celebrate you and we'll help you along that journey the best way that we can. Every head bowed, every eye closed today, I just want to pray over you and to ask if there is anybody that would make that decision today. Will you turn your life over to Jesus right here, right now? Say, you know what? I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me that, you know what? Even all these sins that these guys committed, God was still able to use them and you might be feeling man, God can still use me. That's amazing. I want you to feel that way. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. That's that's God's heart right there. No matter what you've done, God can still use you. And all you have to do is say yes today. So if there's anybody in this place, on the count of three, would you raise your hand and say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't 100% even know what that means, uh, like fully right now. But listen, I want to know what this life looks like with Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, One two, three, if that's you in this place. Come on, I see you guys. Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. I see you in the back. I see you over there. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand. Let me see you. Look up at me. Anybody else? Come on. I see you. I see you. All right, you can put your hands down. Come on, there's about six or seven people that raise their hands right now to give their lives to Jesus. That's absolutely incredible. Can we give it up for them right now? And as an act of solidarity with these people that are praying this prayer for the first time, it's a simple prayer, okay? All it is is you just saying, God, I give my life to you. You don't have to say anything specifically, right? It's just say it from your heart. Believe it when you say it, okay? We're all gonna pray this together along with them, okay? So will you pray with me? Say, Jesus, thank you so much that you don't hold my sins against me. That you died on the cross for me. You took on my sin so that I could have a new life. I give my life to you. And in this moment, I make you the Lord over my life. Make me a new creation. Help me to find my destiny. Give me purpose. And I thank you that you love me in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen in the house of God today. That's amazing. We had six or seven people today that give their hearts to Jesus. Come on, that's something that we can celebrate. And listen, I'm so excited for each and every one of you that made that decision. Please, please, please come up and talk to me. I would love to get to know you a little bit better. I'd love to get you connected. Please fill out a connect card so that we can talk throughout this week and get you started off on your journey with Jesus in the right way. Have you enjoyed today? hope you had a good time. Hey, let me tell you, we have the games that are over there. We have some cornhole and we have a little football toss game. Uh, you can just get your kids over there. Just let them have a blast for a little bit before we have to start tearing all this down. Uh, I just want to pray over you and say, thank you to God for each and every one of you as you go and have fun tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you for every single one of these people that are here. I, I just thank you so much that you have given them a purpose and a destiny and a new life in you. Father, I ask that you would, uh, protect everybody tonight as we watch the game, as we travel, wherever it is we're going, and that you would help us to be the light of Jesus to our friends and to our family that we're hanging out with tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget, next week is Vision Sunday. Come back if you want to hear all about what we're going for in 2022. God bless you. First down.